Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to another episode of the Flyers Talk podcast brought to you by the Philadelphia Tri-State Cadillac Dealers. Katie Emmer, Jordan Hall with you today, uh, making another appearance. She hasn't been on it in some time, but she is back. She is ready to break down this uh, tragic Game 7 loss, and so do all of us. Uh, A lot to get into later on in this episode, a lot of reflection, and also, what's next? What does this mean um, for this team and for the future of this franchise? We will get into all of that. Um, in this recap episode today. But first and foremost, Jordan, I will let you do the honors in introducing our special guests. That's Katie Emmer. What we do know is next is that we have Brooke Destra. We're absolutely thrilled to have Brooke on the podcast. And uh, we're going to talk all things uh, 2019-20 Flyers season. But Brooke, thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing? Hey, friends. Um, I'm doing all right. I am slowly recovering from that loss. And yeah, like you said, there's a lot to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything moving forward. So let's get to it. (laughs) Yes, I do love it. And, you know, before we get there, I love that, Brooke. It's so true. And we know how much you love hockey. We know how much specifically Flyers hockey runs deep um, in your roots. And for all of us, just any sort of game seven loss like that, guys, I mean, that was like, that was so harsh. And I know from Bundy, too, as the athlete, he had, you know, a video, I believe, on Twitter the next day just saying, like, this was – so tough, right? I mean, it's like the next day is almost harder than, you know, the loss. It's just the next day of reflecting like, wow, we lost that game. But Jordan, this was like a whole different thing. Like for me, it's like, could you at least put up some sort of fight? Could you at least see what we did with the Avalanche and uh, the, the Dallas Stars, see something uh, like that with them going to OT and just battling it out in a game seven and just all on the line. I felt like we didn't see any of that. I know. It was kind of anticlimactic, right? They, they're they down 3-1. They're building all this type of a comeback. Oscar Lindblom returns for game six and game seven. And you're really feeling like this is the season. This is something kind of special brewing. And then not only do they lose game seven, but they really lose it kind of in a thud. And uh, I agree. I, I, it would have been nice to see more. Um, I think the Islanders are a really good team. I don't want to take anything away from them, but I think the Flyers have a ton of reason to be disappointed in uh, how they performed. Um, Alain Vigneault said it, um, that he believes the will was there, but they did not perform. And I think that's very fair to say. And, yeah, you look at it, 16 shots. That was their second fewest total of shots all season. Um, You just picked the absolute wrong time to have only 16 shots and really one of your worst games of the year. Uh, So, yes, I think Flyers fans deserve more. Uh, but I don't think it takes away completely from the overall theme of this season. Um, Brooke, would you agree on that? That, yes, as disappointing as it was, uh, the overall season was a pretty much, you know, a positive. Uh, Do you agree or disagree? Absolutely agree. I mean, right off the bat, the nature of the NHL playoffs, it is so difficult to win three consecutive games. So especially after coming out of that double overtime, it was, I expected a fight to some degree, which we did not get to see. But I mean, maybe they really were gassed out after that game six. And I'm not sitting here trying to make excuses. It's game seven playoff hockey. It's some of the best, the best time in sports. Um, So it was a little disappointing with the outcome, but at the start of the season, everybody was just hoping to make it past the first round. So obviously we were in a situation in the season where unlike any other, 
with the huge hiatus uh, since March, but does that break necessarily just change everybody's perspective of what this season should have been? I also not necessarily fell into the trap, but the Flyers gave me hope this season where I thought that they were really just going to come out and surprise everybody and really just go for it. But unfortunately that wasn't the case, but I don't think that takes away from their success in the regular season at all. If anything, they're just going to build off of it. I sort of want to maybe get into guys. What our overall perception of Carter Hart was this season throughout the start of the season to the finish of playoffs. And I mean, for me, I don't think that anybody could disagree with this guy was so impressive and, and anybody could just be like, please, dear God, we're so happy. We didn't have eight goaltenders. I mean, they had such a strong tandem um, throughout this whole season, guys. I, I just really feel like the goaltending was such a bright spot and especially Carter Hart. Um, Jordan, it, it was like we always thought maybe that he was going to have this in the tank, but to me personally, I just feel like he exceeded my expectations. I think he exceeded mine as well, Katie, and I think that was one of the overall positive takeaways from these playoffs, as disappointing as they were to finish the way they did for the Flyers. You have a 22-year-old franchise goalie who went in there and really, really impressed in his first Stanley Cup playoffs. There weren't many bumps in the road. Obviously, you know, he was yanked out of one game. Um, you know, uh, he sat the one game for Brian Elliott, but that was on a back-to-back. Really, overall, a very positive performance from him. And he's, a, he's their franchise goal. He's their future. And it makes – if you're a Flyers fan, you have to be excited about that because everyone knows if you have a goalie uh, in the playoffs, uh, you have a chance. You have a chance to steal games. You have a chance to go to the Stanley Cup. And Carter is only 22, and he's really just getting started. So – that was and he was 21 at the start of this regular season, just yeah. coming out on fire. I mean, early on, yes, he, he learned a lot. And no, like his road record was not very impressive, guys. We can agree to that. But um, it, it was like the whole year, I just felt like he, he really grew in his first full season. He did. And Katie, that's, I'm sure that's going to be one of our biggest positives. And we'll look at both positives and negatives from the playoffs. And I'm sure Carter will be one of them. I think he actually should be. And I think we do see – Kitty, what you were mentioning, how hard it is to come back from 3-1. When you, if you look at the Flyers, it, there is a good chance they, they just ran out of gas. Um, and you think 3-1 is so difficult because you have to be close to perfect for three straight games with the pressure of knowing that you have to be perfect and you can't have any blemishes. And then you really have to hope the other team, you know, doesn't bring its best game for three straight. And I think we saw the Flyers, they eventually – uh, maybe ran out a little bit of gas, and then the Islanders were finally like, let's kick it in the gear here. And I think we saw it kind of culminate in game seven. But but let's let's stick with the positives for now. Huh. I'll toss it to you first. Um, your best grade for your best player uh, for the Flyers in the playoffs, who, who would it be? And obviously your grade, I'm sure, would be pretty high. But who would it be? Sure. So, obviously, Carter Hart is – a no-brainer at this point. Um, so I'm going to go a different route just so we don't talk about goaltending for the entire podcast. <laughs> um, but I was just incredibly impressed with Ivan Provorov from the minute they came back from and entered the 24-team uh, tournament because it just seemed like he was ready and there was an almost redemption mode from the last time he was in the playoffs uh, against Pittsburgh in that first round two seasons ago. So you saw a lot of growth in him and even during games where he, his line, um, his partner wasn't necessarily bringing his A, a game, Provorov was able to compensate for that. And Again, he's a 23-year-old defenseman. So to be able to rely on somebody like that who just eats up minutes on the ice is something that is going to be so crucial for the team moving forward. And hopefully we see more of that defending the crease, defending his goaltender, because I feel like that was a big reason the Flyers did struggle is because they stayed in their defensive zone for so long. And you can only do so much when... It's just nonstop defending. So 
I was really impressed with Provorov. Um, and I think he, he really gets an A for me. Uh, just overall really impressed. And there's a few other guys that I really enjoyed watching, but in particular, again, it's, it's the young guys being able to step up and make their mark and give you something to look forward to moving forward. So that's a what Russian- the Russian machine. I mean, even what in game seven, uh, Brooke, I love that pick game seven. I mean, he, he goes in front of any shot, but wasn't, a, I recall it was game seven mm-hmm. where he took one off the knee and just, we, it was, it was like he serious dropped. pain. And that he was dropped very and he concerning. Was, he was right back out there though. It was like, <laughs> you never, without a doubt, never sounds, a doubt with yeah, him writhing in pain. Um, Weirdly, in my gut, I was like, he's not going to come out. <laughs> like, he's going to go to the bench and just shake it off. Because, like, that's just that guy. He really is a machine. Jacob Borchek called him a machine. Uh, and he's, yep. like you said, only 23 and a foundation piece for sure. Katie Emmer, who are you most with, most impressed with among this Yeah. Five? Yeah, you know what? This is a player that when you initially asked this question, it was just, you know, sometimes you got to go with the first one that pops in your head. And that guy is Tyler Pitlick. Um, yes. I thought that he yes. brought energy. He manufactured his own energy. I noticed him a lot in game seven as well, though the Flyers weren't able to get anything really going or, or you know, score at all for that matter. I thought Tyler Pitlick brought the energy. I thought he was where he needed to be. He was setting up great plays. He was great on the forecheck. He was doing everything right that he needed to do. We saw him move up and down the lineup throughout the playoffs. Um, I, I just, when I think of Tyler Pitlick in this postseason run, it was just energy. And it was like, he was always, um, going after the puck and just finishing plays and just doing the right things. And though it wasn't always resulting in a win and though he didn't just make it on the score sheet left and right, I believe he had three points throughout the postseason. Yeah. Three, two goals and an assist. I mean, that for Tyler Pillick isn't what matters to me most. He, he's not needed. He's a depth guy. He has been all season. He's not needed to really contribute, though he has. He's helped out with the Flyers' depth. Um, and that's something we're going to get into. The depth or, you know, top guys for that matter at all uh, didn't step up the way they normally did throughout the regular season in the playoffs. But I just thought he was so impressive, you guys, from the start of round robin game one to the finish of, uh, you know, game seven. And – you know, again, I have to emphasize, though it's not, you know, exemplified or portrayed, sorry, a better word, on the score sheet, um, I, I just still think he was so noticeable throughout all of these games and specifically game seven. That's who I'm going with, Jordan. Tyler Pitlick. Um, and, of course, hey, a good old Minnesota boy, right? Yes. Right? That's, I was just gonna that wasn't it. the first reason I picked him, guys, okay? It wasn't the first reason. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of different Minnesota guys on this uh, roster, for the record there. But, Jordan – now, last but not least, who was uh, most impressive to you? And you know what? Wait, are we giving grades? Because I'm giving Tyler Pillick an A. For sure, an A. Oh. It could have been a plus if I saw some more goals, but I-, I have to be so happy with what he gave. He gets an A. Who's, uh, who's your guy and who are- what are you grading him? I love that. We should get more into Pitlick as well because obviously he-, he can be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, I think a lot of fans want him re-signed just given how noticeable yeah. he was, Katie. He was always there, always going north-south, always getting after it. Uh, love that pick. Uh, for me, maybe it's kind of an obvious one, but I really think considering all circumstances, uh, I thought Kevin Hayes was the Flyers' best player uh, in the grand scheme of things uh, in the playoffs. And I thought it was pretty impressive just given that it's year one of that contract and uh, some of the other Flyers' big boys were kind of inconsistent. They were so-so. Uh, we know Travis Connected did not score a goal. We know Claude Drew only scored one. Uh, James Van Riems, like was in and out of the lineup a few times. Jacob Borchek only, I think, had only one point in the Islander series. Uh, Kevin Hayes, I thought, was just always there. Um, and I think, yeah, year one of that contract where the pressure's on and people want you to perform, and he did. He had 13 points. led the team with 13 points in 16 games, four goals, nine assists. He was a plus seven. Led the team in shots with 44. And we, we all know what he does on the PK and then also on the power play as well. Um, obviously the power play wasn't good, but Kevin Hayes plays in all situations. And I just thought his size down the middle was disruptive. There was times where he was always making plays, kind of making things happen. Um, I just thought Kevin Hayes really answered the bell in his first playoffs with the Flyers uh, when the team really needed him to as well. Uh, So I I had to go with Kevin Hayes. That's my pick. 
I think the future is bright for Kevin Hayes in Philly, and I think that's another positive. Um, so that's, that's what I'm going with. But all right, let's get a little negative here, folks. We can be mad. We can be angry. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're, giving yeah. our, we're giving our worst <laughs> grades for the Flyers playoff roster. Um, Brooke, let's start with you. Who, if you had to pick one person uh, for your worst grade, who is it? Ah, see, I hate being like a Debbie Downer, but you know that's that's sports. Sometimes you just kind of have to hit both sides. And I, this time, I am going to hit it with the obvious because I was very, very disappointed in Travis Konechny because you have your leading player, leading goals, leading in points in the regular season and just absolutely disappearing in the postseason. And he had a new contract as well. And it's all about, you know, getting your team to the playoffs, but it's also showing up in the playoffs. And the contrast from him from the regular season to the playoffs was concerning almost like I, it, to the point where I almost have to think, like, are we going to hear if he's injured yeah. when, like, we start having media once that is available in the coming days? And it's just, you saw a 23-year-old who was struggling in the playoffs. It wasn't a top player like you're used to seeing connect me. And, yeah, he's a pest and he's somebody who you never want to play against because he's got, he's got a big mouth. And it gets, he's able to get under player's skin. But you could tell that he was very frustrated with himself. And that's understandable. Every athlete, when they're underperforming, obviously gets irritated with their performances. But it was every single time Konechny did not do something he wanted to do on the ice. And he made his frustration very well known to the Islanders, and every single time that he was on the ice, he was either doing something wrong or he was completely invisible because of the Islanders' defense. So it's, it's almost concerning. I don't think that's a product of how he'll be once play resumes in the next few months. But, I mean, we have the narrative of the top guys needing to show up in the second round of the playoffs, and Konechny was invisible for the most part. And he had great chances. I think if he had one goal, sure, maybe that would have got the ball rolling, but it did not happen. So it's it's pretty bad. I'm a little disappointed. It's He's getting a D for me. <laughs> Rook, I think that's fair. Um, it, yeah, it, it, he's your leading goal scorer. He's a leading goal scorer. Um, he led the team in points. Uh, and to not have a goal in the entire playoffs over 16 games, it's pretty staggering. And I think we saw him kind of feel the pressure of an extended playoff run. When, you're, when you become a star player, um, expectations rise. And when you're quiet, um, the noise starts kind of getting louder. And I think we haven't seen him deal with that yet. He's 23 years old. He has never played in an extended playoff run yet. And I think we saw him kind of start to feel the pressure and I think it got the best of him, quite frankly. Um, but like you said, 23 years old, the future is bright around him. And I think for him to take the next step now will be going from uh, all-star to performing in the playoffs. Uh, the best of the best do it in the playoffs, and I think now that's his next step. Um, agree. Really good pick. Love that you're tough on him. I like that. Uh, Katie Emmer. Let's go with your worst. Who are you taking? Well, are you guys ready? I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of have a little curveball here, but I am. Okay. I think, I think this is what I'm gonna do. Oh I am giving God. the Flyers power play a big fat F. Yes. I'm not giving any situation, any player. I am just saying the power play. I redacted and, and I second Katie. Gosh. <laughs> I like I and here's the thing too, and I love it though. I mean, Travis Konechny needs to step up, Jordan. Whoever you have, I mean, here's the problem. Because I said I love it, because I don't love this problem, but there are so many different players that you could grade negatively at the moment. It's yeah. not like only one one guy needed to step up, and that was certainly the case throughout the whole playoffs. So anyway, with that being said, it's like there's there's so many different players, of course. I'm just like so stressed out about that that I am just going with the power play because 
This is just atrocious. Um, 7.7%, the second lowest in the playoffs. Um, there is, matter of fact, teams that were eliminated in the qualifying play-in round, and they had a better – of course, they didn't have as many opportunities. But um, with the Flyers, it's just – it was – it just can't happen. Like, that is that is atrocious. And from what we saw, it was, um, you know, never a successful look. Uh, certain droughts we saw go without. And I believe, guys, wasn't it three power play goals in one game they had at one point? I believe they had four power play goals the whole playoffs – and they had three in one game. They did, Katie. It was and the, that is uh, just, the game versus the Canadians. Uh, yes, Jake Voracek. Yes, had stood two, up. Two, and I can't remember who had the third, but they definitely had three in that game because everyone was like, all right, maybe they got the power play going. Right. Nope. And that, that is just, to me, right. I, I mean, that to me, without a doubt, an F. Um, never want to see that happen again. Never want to see that power play again. I don't even care. Like, crinkle it up, throw it away, fix it. <laughs> Um, do something like do better and <laughs> come back and tell me what you have next season and have a great power play system. And guys, I mean, this was like throughout the regular season, there were certainly improvements with this, uh, with their systems from last year. So it, it was like, it was a positive in that moment. And, and I do recall too, when we all had our end to ends about, you know, the positives and, and takeaways from the regular season in comparison to last season, we were doing the grades here. Um, and the power play was, you know, I believe something we all sort of talked about. This was, you know, an improvement, a, you know, huge improvement from the last regular season. And it's just like, where did that go? Um, of course it's the playoffs, but I'm not going to keep making that excuse. Uh, you need to figure out how to score on the man advantage. Uh, when your team draws a penalty, it just needs to happen. And I, you know, guys, if we would have seen more of those goals, like maybe we wouldn't even see the Flyers in a game seven. Maybe they would have um, been able to get this series wrapped up with the Islanders. Like maybe, maybe, maybe what if it's, you can all have that fun. This all had to happen for a reason, but I never want to see that sort of power play situation ever again. That is a, that is a for goals from them. It was just setting up in the friggin' offensive zone. You couldn't even get that out of them. And it almost yeah. seemed like they were outnumbered on a man advantage at all times. So it's just – it's There were times – All bad things. That, yeah, and then in that um, note too, Brooke, I agree with you. There were times where it's like we're watching the game and I'm like looking at, you know, my co – like looking at Joe or looking at Bundy or whatever, and I'm like, are they on the power play right now? Because like mm -hmm. if it weren't for the drop down from the scoreboard saying power – like I wouldn't even know. You wouldn't know. You know, and of course you can count the guys on the ice, whatever. I just wouldn't know. I know exactly what you're saying. They, they weren't able to generate anything. Um, and there was that one game, it was Jordan. We were like, oh, here we go. No, wasn't the case. Big F, <laughs> on to you, Jordan. Um, that's it for me for now. Katie, that's a great <laughs> for pick. For now? I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> for now. <laughs> no, it, I should, we should have made it something where it didn't have to be a player. It could have been an overall theme. And, yeah, gosh, the power play was just so, so bad. You wonder if it's like a, it's like a personnel issue. Is it a Michelle Terrian issue? Um, I don't think it's Michelle Terrian's fault. Uh, but, gosh, they got to do something uh, in the offseason uh, or at least next training camp to try to figure that out and get that going right from the start. 7.7%. That's yeah, all I got to say. Yeah, well, I think it was 4 for 52, I believe, in the playoffs. 4 for 52. Thank that so much. Astonishing. All right, for me, so uh, great picks. Konechny power play cannot go wrong there. Uh, for me, I'll go a little more of a quieter one, but I, to me it kind of stuck out and I was a little disappointed was Derek Grant. Um, I had high hopes for Derek Grant. I really liked the acquisition at the trade deadline. I thought he was great in his seven-game stint uh, before the stoppage. He had five points in seven games. And it's not a guy I'm expecting to score. They got him to really be maybe like a fourth-line center or a third-line winger or center um, just to do little things, you know, win face-offs, uh, be tough to play against, uh, help a little bit with special teams. But I just thought he really fell flat in the playoffs. I just There was times where I, I just didn't notice him. Um, there were a few times where I did, and, and I liked that. But other than that, just 15 games, uh, he only had two points, two assists. Um, he only won 47.7% uh, of his, of his face-offs. And then he was a healthy scratch in game seven. And uh, that was just kind of disappointing for me. I thought if he kind of came out and really kind of turned some heads, uh, I thought he would have been almost a no-brainer to re-sign for the Flyers. Obviously, he can be an unrestricted free agent. He's 30 years old. 
a really good depth piece. But now I think just kind of seeing what he did in a larger sample size in the playoffs, I wonder if there's some doubt now in the Flyers' minds of 30 years old, he plays a pretty important position. Do they want to block some of the kids that they have possibly coming up? Uh, so I don't know if they're going to re-sign him, and I'm not sure if they should. Uh, I expected more out of Derek Grant. For me, that's going to be my uh, my pick. And if I had to give a grade, maybe maybe a D plus, C minus. I don't think he was awful, but I just really, really expected more. And the fact that he was healthy scratched in game seven, I think speaks volumes. Um, so Derek Grant is my pick for most disappointing. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. We talked a little bit already about the regular season and it does that kind of overshadow the disappointment of the playoffs. Guys, if you could pick one way or the other, and we'll start with Brooke, um, are you more excited about the regular season and the future, or are you more disappointed in the playoffs? If you could pick one way, what would it be? Brooke, let's start with you. Hmm. Interesting. It's an interesting I mean, question. Like, are, are you more happy that you're excited about the regular season, or are you more kind of pissed off, ticked off, about the finish to the playoff? I mean, listen, it's – you're allowed to sit back and sulk and be sad that your team is done in the postseason. You're not human if you jump for joy when your team is eliminated. It's just the nature of sports. But there, like, I, like I've mentioned from the beginning of this podcast, there are so many positives that we can take forward – for next season and seasons to come because this is really just the start of this new era for the Flyers. This is the first time where you feel like they have a legitimate chance of playing with the top dogs for consecutive seasons. It wasn't a fluke that they played in the most difficult division in the league and still turned heads. So I'm excited for the future. It's disappointing that they didn't get to, you know, the finals where we wanted them to be when play resumed. But at the same time, on a realistic standpoint, like we couldn't be in a better position because there are other teams in the next coming seasons that are going to start declining. Tampa Bay Lightning, their timeline is going to shrink after this season. That's why they bulked up at the trade deadline. There's the Flyers are only going to improve. There's so much youth coming up. We have a solid core. It's just being able to combine them moving forward. It's no longer the narrative of, hey, we're, two, we're three to four years being away from being contenders, which is something that Flyers fans really use to <laughs> get past mediocre seasons. That's done. Every single year they have a chance, and it starts with Carter Hart because, like you said, Jordan, if you have a goaltender in the playoffs, anything's possible. You have the chance to win it all. But they have a team in front of him that if they start making that connection in the postseason, like they did in the regular season, it's, it's, it's all green light from there. I love the point that, you know, Brooke, I always love your points, but I love what you Thanks. said about the, <laughs> the fact of the Flyers um, showing that they can battle with any team and just like what what they really had. And it was like, expected at the start of this season I think we can all say that but it's it was like almost we couldn't really visualize that yet or or I don't know it was just the taste of it and it was really you know before that holiday break seeing what they're able to do and I, I remember even the, the Rangers a huge win there um but when we're talking teams like the Capitals when we're talking teams like the Bruins or the Penguins or anything else for that matter um and I'm looking back to it was like they played so well against these top teams and they, their compete level was there. The energy was there. And it started, of course, with the new guy, the Kevin Hayes and Carter Harden net, like all of those things just had to work just right throughout the regular season. And I loved what I saw. I mean, I think we can all attest to that. Of course, I mentioned it at the top of this episode, that West coast trip that is never to be seen again. And yeah, there were different lows away from that. There was different losing streaks and, you know, different um, pointless streaks for different players. Uh, Drew being one of them. Is he going to score again in the regular season? Then he does, and he gets going. James Van Riemsdyk, another player. Are we going to see him? And he was very streaky, so when he would score, it'd be good. Um, and, and things were just kind of working, and that snowball effect was really starting to build um, before this pause, of course. And, 
they were playing their best hockey at the end of, you know, the, and I keep saying, quote, the regular season because it was there in March. Um, and I, I just, I, I love that. Their compete level was certainly there and it, they made for some exciting hockey. And I think Flyers fans could agree just seeing the Penguins in town, seeing any of these games and really seeing them battle and come out with a victory. It was certainly, um, you know, relieving in a way. And it was just, it was a, a breath of fresh air to really see these flyers um, battle it out. Um, they were never down for the count. They always were resilient. And that was such a word that we used throughout um, this, this season, at least for us on pre and post, it was just response. And it was like, after a loss, how are they going to respond here? And one of those big players that would step up in that category was Sean Couturier. Um, he would always be there. He would always be that consistent flyer um, from day one that really helped out in those dark times. And that's, I think, what measures um, a team is just how they respond to getting knocked down and how they really build up from that. And the Flyers showed that they could, and they, they built it even higher, right? And throughout the regular season, it, it kept going. And um, and I keep saying the regular season, it was certainly the case in the playoffs too. Look, look what we had there. We had the Canadians, a team that certainly had a lot of different weapons that who knew they had until that postseason run for them. But we really saw the Flyers um, stick together. And, you know, if I could just finish, too, with the core of this team that so many players talk about. Kevin Hayes talked about it uh, on different podcasts of just the core of this team, how close these guys are. And that truly does, um, you know, it, it's so special, especially how it translates to the ice. And you sort of see that work out there and how much fun these guys have, though, and how much fun uh, Hayes, for that matter, was able to, to bring to this team in the locker room and lastly of course Oscar Lindblom that storyline of how this team rallied behind one of their their best and uh, really helped him with the fight of his life in that matter and then he comes back on the ice and they can all rally around him and at least have him there and you would have loved to see that run for the final that run for the cup uh, you know in general but um, overall, start to finish, lots of, of different storylines here. And I, I, I like what I saw, especially when we're thinking about the future. I really think Flyers fans should feel relieved that, hey, we have a good goaltender uh, situation and, and we have different players that really were at their best this season that could translate again to next year. So a lot to build off of here, certainly. Excellent points across the board, seriously. And a few things I understand. I understand that there weren't, there weren't high, high expectations at, at the beginning of the season. And I understand expectations can change in the middle of a season for, for the fan base. And I think that's what happened. I think expectations certainly changed, and it got fans very excited. So they have all the reason to be disappointed. I don't want to tell them that they don't. And I also understand that every season is precious. Every chance you get at the Stanley Cup uh, should be <laughs> held close to your heart because uh, Chuck Fletcher said it. He's been in the business for a while that – you don't always get these opportunities. It can change fast. And I think the Flyers are a good example of how fast it can change sometimes. If you look at 2010, they go to the Stanley Cup final. The next two years, they get bounced in the second round. And then for the next seven seasons, they don't even win a playoff series victory. So uh, I think you can see how fast it can change, how you can get so close, and then all of a sudden you can, it, can, it can go south quickly, and then all of a sudden you're wondering if you ever get back. But if you just – in the overall perspective, just see where the Flyers came from last season to this. It's astonishing what they went through. Last year, midseason, they fired their general manager. They fired their head coach. They fire an assistant general manager. They fire an assistant coach. They have 82, 82 points, their fewest in a full season since 2006-7. And, uh, and then this year – their head coach is a Jack Adams finalist. Uh, they have seven more points than they did last year, and that was playing 13 fewer games. They win a, they win a series for the first time since 2012, and they go to a game seven. They're a game away from the Eastern Conference final. I just think you have to take the positives over the negatives. Um, did they fall short? Yes. But, gosh, they did so much more coming off of a nightmare of a 2018-19 season. Honestly, one of their worst seasons in like in 20 plus years. They go to one of their best in quite some time. So to me, positives, it looks very, the future looks very bright. I think they're only going up. Nate Thompson actually said it not long ago um, during the stoppage. That's a guy that's been on some good teams. Uh, he's been on an Eastern Conference final team. He's been on a Western Conference final team. And he said he thinks this team's built for multiple runs. 
He says he really likes the outlook for this team. I think that tells you, a guy that's seen his fair share of good teams, that the future's bright. And I think, I think Flyers fans can hold on to that a little bit more than this Game 7 loss. Visit your Philadelphia area Cadillac dealer today and experience the ultimate in iconic luxury. Bins Van Riemsdyk and Shane Gossespierre. Those are probably, I would think, two of the more likely trade candidates if we have them this offseason. And I understand why. But if you had to pick one or two, maybe, or one of the two, that is probably the most likely to get traded. If you like them to get traded, why? Who would it be? Brooke, let's start with you. JVR or Ghost? Okay, so... Right off the bat, I think it's going to be impossible to move JVR's contract. It's sure. it's lots of money, few yeah. like few more years. I just don't think that's an overhaul teams are going to want to take on. Um, Shane Gossespierre has really been trade bait since last off season and almost a trade deadline of last year as well, because it's just you feel like. He's not really fitting in anymore with the way that the defense, the, the, the defense of the Flyers are kind of trending in. And he had a few great games during the playoffs, and I was really happy to see him come out and have those performances because Gossage Bear is a great guy, and you want to root for him. But at the same time, he had no success with Justin Braun, and – at the end of the day, if you are putting, you know, Robert Haig before Shane Gossespierre, that's more of a knock toward Gossespierre than Haig, I believe. And not discrediting him as well. He had a great playoff as well. He did exactly what he needed to do in the times that he had. Granted, there were a few turnovers, but we won't talk about them. Um I feel like Gossespierre might be a moving piece, but that's also because there's great defensemen coming up in the pipeline as well. You know, there's still Mark Friedman. There's a lot of other untapped potential, and it might clear up a little bit of cap space during the time where it's going to be really, really tight with a lot of restricted free agents and unrestricted free agents this offseason. So... But I'll leave it at that with JVR, too. I don't think he'll be protected for the expansion draft next year. Yeah, I, that's a really good one. That's a good one. Because <laughs> My lips are sealed. <laughs> he just fits that in terms of what his contract and obviously the rules to the expansion draft. He certainly fits that to a good chance that he will not be protected. Um, I can see that. So that's a good, that's a good little sign off there, Brooke. I like that. Um, <laughs> Man, that that's gonna that's gonna be here before we know it too. I know it's for the oh, 20, we just have the Vegas one. I can't believe we have to go through another. The stress of an expansion draft. Oh my exactly. god. Exactly. Um, and I think the Flyers have more, like they have more players, like you know, in the with Vegas at that time. I don't think they had as much that you like really wanted to wrap your hands around and say no, don't take. Um, yeah. Here, I think obviously not this year, but when it when the expansion draft comes, uh, when Seattle comes into the league 2021-22 season. Um, I think they're going to have pieces that it's going to be tough to kind of stomach if they have to go. Uh, Katie Emmer, what do you think? JVR or Shane Gossespierre? You can hit on both, but what are you thinking? I'm picking one, but I'm, it's not, it's, it's Shane Gossespierre. I'm going to get there. But with uh, James Van Riemsdyk, it's a, such a valid point, Brooke, with how are you going to even get rid of this, this contract? It's, I was looking right back at it too, going through, of course, I, I would assume fans know he's an unrestricted Free agent in 2023-24, and he has an annual average value of $7 million a season. This, is, uh, this isn't easy to, to lift up from your team, but, I mean, we'll see. That expansion draft is a great point. Um, again, James Van Riemsdyk, a player that you really hoped to have more from this whole year, but it's like when he is hot, I mean, he's going he's gonna to continue on and have that streak or, or what have you. But just an interesting dynamic, too, with just – maybe how he fits specifically with this Flyers team and the different moving uh, parts. But that isn't the guy I'm looking at right now. I'm looking at Shane uh, Gostaspare. I just, this is a player that, of course, guys, we saw him at his highs. Um, We know what he has, or I will say, I'll I'll say current, present, has in the tank. I want to say had in the tank. 
but he is still such, you know, a player that has life in this league. I just don't feel like he fits, um, you know, and it, with, with what the Flyers need during this time. I do think, and do I think he doesn't add anything? No, of course he adds something. I feel like if anything too, he just adds that healthy competition. He brings out the best in him. He brings out the best in, in Robert Haig and really what we saw from those players all season. And, you know, Goss a player that has dealt with injuries and guys, both of his knees, of course, we find out too throughout that uh, quarantine period that he, he had to go through a lot of different things and, um, Jordan, I know you and I recall because we were sitting next to each other at Skate Zone, the frustration of him throwing his stick uh, at practice, just like different different things that he had to go through personally and just as a player individually, I'll, I'll say, too, this season. But that's about him. I think with this team and where they're moving, they uh, they part ways with Shane Gossesbury. He's been in the, t- the, the topics of is he going to get traded or is he, you know, what's going to happen? He's always been in that bubble. And um, I just feel that he is such a talented player. And he's going to have a future. I just don't see it with the Flyers right here, right now. I feel, I feel blunt, but that's what I'm going with. I think that they, they find a way to, you know, find a way uh, to, to part ways with him or do, find a different direction in, in that matter. Overall, though, you got to be happy with what you're seeing that with the defenseman. If he is, uh, you know, part of what they want to keep around, then, then, uh, then we'll see. But another guy that just, uh, you know, has a, has sort of a hefty contract, but, uh, no matter what, uh, I, hey, all hail to Chuck Fletcher, right? Like, I know we're going to be set. The Flyers are going to be set for that matter, but it, it will be interesting. I would say Shane Goss is fair, Jordan. Who are you going with? Very good pick. And I do wonder if the expansion draft might um, give the Flyers more incentive to trade one of these two players maybe because you you realize you might lose them for nothing in the expansion draft. So yeah. maybe you try to get something now for them if you can. Uh, I'm not you sure agree that- to my point, though, by the way, of like, in both of you. I mean, with Shane Gossespair, that he's he's a steady – I mean, he's a, a great player, but it just doesn't feel like it's it's here right now. Like, it just doesn't feel like it's here with this Flyers team. I feel like that- he struggled with Vigneault's system this entire season, and it's just not clicking for him. And you kind of saw a lot of sparks in uh, Philip Myers – with like little tastes of, you know, he's got a really great shot from the point. There's a lot of potential mm-hmm. in him. So it's almost like, well, where does Gosh Despair fit in moving forward? So I, I do agree with that point. I think it's been an interesting season for Ghost, and I just don't think he'll find the success that he needs in Philly anymore, which is a shame to say because right. he's a fan favorite. He's very well respected in the city. It's just, yeah. you know, it's, it's, not, it's not clicking anymore. And that matters so much, Jordan, like how you're going to be the puzzle piece. you got to fit. Like you have to have all the grooves that fit into the puzzle. And it's really – it seems just like it's hard for him to fit into the puzzle at the moment for the Flyers in that case. Yeah, and it's kind of hard to believe. He looked like he was going to be their – literally their number one go-to offensive defenseman for years to come. And now he's like fighting just to get into the lineup. It's pretty hard to believe kind of how the storyline has changed. Um I'll say this. I think 2020-21 season will be very telling for Shane Gossespair if he's not traded in the offseason because last year I think the Flyers know and he knows that he was not himself because he was having issues with his knees. And a defenseman that is literally built around being elusive and mobile and transitioning the puck with his legs, if he's having issues with his knees, that's, that's a recipe for disaster in terms of that player being himself. He had two procedures on his knees. Going into this tournament, he said he felt 10 times better than what he did in the regular season. So now there's no real kind of cloud over him in terms of health going into next season, unless something unforeseen happens uh, in the offseason. But he should be healthy. That is the thought, is that he could be healthy and could look like himself again. And if he's not himself when he gets playing, playing time, if he really struggles, then maybe you're thinking, this just isn't working. He's just not, he's just not the same guy's. You know, and we have depth now, and maybe maybe it's time to move on. And maybe they're looking at next season as being a, t- a time to let him kind of build his stock back up. And then, you know, he might be more valuable in terms of a trade because, let's be honest, he's coming off probably the worst season of his career in, t- in terms of point production and obviously health and playing games. Um, so maybe his value is not as high right now in terms of an all-season trade, but maybe if they can get him going in the regular season – it might be more valuable. It might be more of a trade chip. Uh, and maybe the Flyers could be in a spot where they really need help elsewhere. 
and they'll know their depth uh, situation a little bit better. But they do have guys coming. They do have an eager Zamula coming. They have Cam York, who might be playing his last season of college hockey next year uh, and could be turning pro. Uh, so they have some guys in the system that would make it more likely that goes his trade. So, yes, if I had to pick one, it's definitely Shane Goss' pair because his contract is very friendly too. I think he's a likable player in terms of what he does. And then his contract is very team-friendly. It's good on term. He can't be a UFA until 2023, 20, 24. And he's only making $4.5 million. That's There's a lot to like about that if you're a only, team. Let's just, let's just stop there. Only yeah. 4.5. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What a, um, what a world. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot to like with his contract. So I think a team would like to have that team control. And then the players, not, there's not a lot to dislike about Shane Gossespierre. If he's healthy and he's himself, He's 27 years old, and he can produce points. He can play on a power play. We've seen the glimpses of Shane Gossespierre. We know what he can do. Uh, for JVR, and for me, in the overall picture, I don't think the Flyers are going to do anything real splashy this offseason in terms of trades. Um, I understand why trades might be intriguing because the cap floor is going to stay the same. So in terms of what you want to do in terms of signing players and the money that you have, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to really add a piece um, of high, high caliber because of the money situation and the revenue and what the, the league is in, the situation it's in. But I just don't think they're going to do anything. I think Chuck Fletcher really likes what they have in place, and maybe they're a young piece away from really taking the next step. Uh, they have young kids that are only getting better and coming up. Uh, so I think they like what they have ex- internally. But for JVR, I don't think they're going to move him. And for me, I'm kind of frustrated with in how they use JVR this season. I just don't think he was used real properly. I thought he could have used, been used better. I thought he could have been put in better situations. Even if you look at his minutes per game this year, he played 14.1454. He played 14 minutes, 54 seconds per game. In 2010-11, uh, it was his second NHL season. He was a 21-year-old role player. He played 14 minutes, 32 seconds. So he did not play much more than what he did his second NHL season when he was a depth guy just trying to kind of find his role. I just thought he could have played more. I thought he could have been put in better positions to succeed. Elaine Vigneault always talks about accentuating a player's strengths. I just don't think his strengths were accentuated. And the guy still put up 19 goals. He still put up 40 points. Um, I thought he played some of his uh, better 200-foot hockey in his career. Because uh, I think Avigno got the best out of him in that regard, saying, hey, I need you to play 200 feet to get what you need. But um, I, don't hate the, I don't hate the JVR contract. Um, I really don't. So I think he can be used better, and I think he's still valuable moving forward. So I do not see a JVR trade. If I had to pick one, after this is my 50 cents, uh, <laughs> ah. I'm going on a rant here. But if I had to pick one, I think Shane Gossespierre is more likely, just with the depth that they have, his contract being a little more team-friendly, um, but I don't really see any big trades this all season. I think if anything, maybe at the trade deadline next year. That, that you mentioned right. a, yeah. And you mentioned a great point, by the way, I like it. I like it. And you like going back to James Van Riemsdyk, just like as far as where he was put, it was like, Brooke, I mean, you can, you know, agree or disagree. I would love to hear what your take is. I just feel that if he is up on your first two lines, or your top two lines, he's going to be better. And, and when he's not playing on the top two lines, and he's in that depth role, like he doesn't do well. Like you, it's kind of like he wants like that respect in a way, but it's it's not like the right way to really say it, if if that makes sense. But it's like I just I feel that it, when you talk about accentuating their roles, Jordan, I do love that. I mean, or their their uh, their strengths or, or putting them in a place to succeed. I did feel that like he just wasn't really put in that place. He wasn't um, able to be uh, really utilized for that matter, but. Hey, when you're not scoring in the playoffs, for that matter, either, uh, at least for, you know, the early goings, it's, it's hard. It's really hard to uh, develop and, and I say develop at his age. He's already developed, but really just like find your place, find your groove, get going in this you know, very unique format. And, you know, when, you, when a player like James Van Riemsdyk isn't able to really get going or have that one game that he sparks it up, he can't really start his streaky manner. But do you feel that way, uh, Brooke, that, you know, if he's not, like, in the top end of your lineup, that he's not going to do well? I, I just feel like that's been a trend with him. Yeah, I think his performance is a straight 
product of his line mates. And he's not a player that necessarily drives play. He's the finisher in the sense of he gets to his office. He needs to be in the crease. He needs to be with players that can get the puck to him and give him yes. scoring opportunities. And in, opportun- in situations like that, it gives him the confidence that he needs to keep going. And JVR really is a prime definition. Like if you look up streakiness players in the, dif- in the dictionary, JVR is going to pop up because you really just never know what you're going to get from him because he can go stretches and be ice cold and not register a single point. And then he'll get five points in the next four games. Like it's, he's a very, very interesting player when it comes to finding confidence and it really just falls on who he has to play with um, on his line. So I completely agree with that. And I think it really showed throughout the entire season and playoffs this year. It's yeah. Yeah. And yeah, kind of staying on this topic and I'll say this too, uh, to to finish it off kind of, um, if you're looking for reasons why JVR could be traded, uh, think about it. He signed with a previous general manager and a previous head coach. Yeah. So he came here thinking he was going to be playing for Dave Haxtell and Ron Hextall. It's now a new regime who did not sign him. And it's a coach that, you know, maybe didn't go to bat for him to, to sign him. Uh, so when they're having those discussions, uh, and we saw it, JVR kind of got in the doghouse from time to time with Elaine Vigneault. Uh, so maybe when those, when Elaine Vigneault, Chuck Fletcher, they're having those um, internal uh, discussions. Uh, yeah. Maybe they're saying that this guy isn't a huge part of the future, but Brooke Destra, thank you so much for coming on. It was great to hear from you, and we can't wait to talk to you more. Katie Emmer, thank you as always. Really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. And a special thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast producer, and Flyers fans. Special thank you to you as well for listening, and we hope you continue to listen, and we're going to have more hockey to talk about. But thank you for following along all season. This is the latest Flyers Talk podcast brought to you by the Philadelphia Tri-State Cadillac Dealers, Flyers fans, wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.